the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. All hit radio. To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X One, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum but to this place that I call the X Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the X Zone Broadcast Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Talk Star Radio Network, and of course, on Simul Radio TV. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And to watch the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, visit their brand new website at www.simultv.com. All right, Exonation, before I get to my first guest tonight, David Ditchfield, we're going to be uh, just, just taking a look at the world today. We're, the world is totally screwed up. The cops are the bad guys. The bad guys, well, they claim to be the good guys. They're tearing down statues. They're burning the flags. What's next? Are they going to be burning down museums? Are they going to be closing down and burning libraries? What is happening in this world today? Well, we can only guess, but watching the news, in my opinion, is the worst thing you can do. I think what we should do is shut our televisions off and uh, just ignore all the news channels for 30 days. Let's see what happens to all these riots, these protests, the looters, if no one pays any attention to them. Do you think it'll stop? Do you think it'll make a difference? Well, I do. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Send me an email, exxon at com. As I said, my first guest tonight is David Ditchfield. And uh, David is a near-death experience-inspired artist, composer, and author. He wants to use his NDE to make positive difference to people's lives. In 2006, he was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. Now, as the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound NDE. When he woke up in hospital, he had acquired astonishing new abilities. Joining me now to talk to us more about these abilities and his newly developed talents is David Ditchfield. And David, welcome to the X-Zone. Hi, Rob. Good to meet you. Uh, tell us about your accident, David. Yeah, sure. Um, well, 
what happened was I'd been living in London at the time and uh-huh. I'd gone to visit my, my sister and her family who live out in the country in, in Cambridge. And um, a friend had come up to visit me for a few days and so we were just hanging out together, having mm-hmm. a lovely time. I She had to get back to London, so I, I took her to the rail station uh-huh. and um, helped her on, onto the train with her bags and what have you and said goodbye and gave her a hug and a kiss. And at that point, we heard the emergency door alert go off so i stepped back and as i did um like the bottom section of my coat got caught in the in the closing doors oh heavens so yeah (laughs) and uh i tugged as hard as i could believe you me Uh, but nothing happened Uh, it it wasn't going to get released Mm -hmm. so i looked around for a guard on the platform and there wasn't one there wasn't there was no guard whatsoever so i called out shouted for help you know just hoping that i might alert somebody in the station itself but nobody turned up and i heard the engine start to to rev up you know ready to ready to leave so i was banging on on the doors you know hoping that maybe a guard on the train itself would come running through but that didn't happen either um so at this point you know i thought okay this is it you know yeah and uh the the train just started pulling out and I remember looking into the eyes of, of my friend Anna who I was seeing off and just seeing the horror in her, in her eyes you know mm-hmm. and that made me just feel well it, this I'm gonna die this is it I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna survive this yeah so the train started uh, edging edging its way along the you know the platform at great speed actually you don't realize just how fast they pull out of stations until you're attached to the outside of a train and uh I, I lost my footing and I got dragged along the platform. And then next thing I knew, I was pulled between the space of the platform edge and the, and the train itself. And then I got sucked under. And uh, and what was only described as being you know, sucked down into 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 the gates of hell, if you like. And it was just like being thrown into the, into a machine and into a, a complete tumble dryer, full speed washing machine, whatever you know. And I was just tossed around all over the place. And was banging my head and everything was it was a very very violent sort of um you know experience and um then suddenly i found myself lying you know in between the tracks if you like and uh, and the train was still continuing to go at great speed and i figured well it's not over yet you know i could get hit by some of the undercarriage yeah so um i just it's interesting i just thought of all the bond movies i'd ever seen and you know Mm. indiana jones i thought at this stage they would keep their heads right down you know and so my nose was right into the oily gravel and uh and i guess that saved me and as because at that point the train eventually moved on it seemed like it was going on forever it was quite a long train and then off it went and disappeared off down the track and uh, left me um you know barely alive <laughs> but but i was alive by a miracle and how old were you when this happened uh 46 my goodness and how long do you uh, what distance do you think that you were dragged uh, by this train oh i think it was about about um about 20 meters or something like that my goodness. i think it was i can't remember but i'm pretty sure it was around that yeah it was quite a way and uh yeah but um, it, it was a matter of seconds before I actually, mm-hmm. you know, went under, which is amazing because it felt more like minutes at the time. 
it seemed like yeah. like time stood still. Yeah, it does. Uh, that's exactly what happened. It, it's interesting because um, I went into survival mode basically, right. and and I basically had, even though the, the rail police did a massive inquiry on it, said to me that you know the whole thing took um, from the the point of me being pulled off from stationary to going under, that was 13 and a half seconds. Now that felt more like 13 and a half minutes because I had time in my mind to think it through. I remember seeing this news article uh, a matter of weeks before where a young child had been thrown from a burning apartment block and had survived um, without any broken limbs. And they said the reason being is because young infants so they don't tense up, you know. And so I thought that's my only chance is to relax. So I had time in my mind to actually think all this through and process mm-hmm. it and do it, you know. And uh, so that's exactly what I did. I let myself go with it, if you like. So, uh, yeah. Now, obviously, you were taken from the tracks, brought to the hospital, uh, and you must have had major injuries. I did do it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Um, you know, the rail police, when mm-hmm. they finished off all their inquiries, they actually sort of said they shook their heads. It took a year to, to do the whole thing. And they said, look, we, we don't get it. We, you should be dead. All our calculations, mm-hmm. you should not have survived that. We don't we don't understand it. So I said, you know, I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was not really bad. I mean, the main thing that happened that was uh, my, my left arm uh, was severed. Oh my um, God. from the elbow down yeah so i was that was that was pretty horrific and it meant that i lost a lot of blood um and uh it was one of the first things i noticed you know because i'd been wearing this really good quality coat that day that, that, that i couldn't get free mm-hmm. from those doors and that was completely shredded uh, right open you know and uh, and as was my arm now, we have to take a commercial break in a minute or so, but uh, I want to talk to you when we come back from the break about your near-death experience and why I'm carrying it over until the next uh, segment. Is I, I don't want to interrupt you. You've got a fascinating Ooh. story, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and sharing it with us. Exxon uh, oh, Nation, our, our guest is David Ditchfield, and his website is www.shineonthestory.com. Dot com. That's www.shineonthestory.com. And for those of you who just may be joining us here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, David Ditchfield is our guest. He is a near-death experience-inspired artist, composer, and author. Now, he wants to use his near-death experience to make a positive difference into people's lives. We've been discussing in this first segment the accident in 2006 when he was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. When we come back, this fascinating story continues. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, on the shores of Lake Erie. And um, David and I will be back on the other side of this break. And if you'd like to send us an email, don't forget the email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Broadcast Network and our fascinating um, group of hosts, including Kevin Randall, Gwilda Wiecka, Justina, and Peter Marsh, just to name a few, visit us at www.xzbn.net. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. Everyone told me to be strong. Huh? Oh, don't share it. 
Welcome back, everyone. David uh, Ditchfield is my special guest this hour, www.shineonthestory.com. Now, before the commercial break, uh, David was telling us about the accident that he had as he was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident going back to 2006. David, uh, we were just getting you from the tracks to the hospital, multiple injuries, the part of your arm had been severed. Please continue, sir. Yeah, sure. Um, well, anyway, we we raced down the highway in an ambulance at full speed uh, to the hospital, and I remember arriving there and seeing like this, it was like this semicircle of like a team waiting for me of medics and and nurses and doctors and surgeons, and so in I went, and uh, they were frantically running around, you know, trying to save me at that point, and so I was laid there, and my family had arrived as well, so there was an awful lot going on at that point, and. Uh, and I was in an awful lot of pain and it, the lights was really intense, you know, because just being in that hospital, it was very bright just lying is, yeah. on my back. And then I suddenly went from all that agony and all that pain and, and intense light to what seemed like um, a darkened room, but like a really beautiful, relaxing, darkened space, if you like. And, uh, and I suddenly thought, where am I? You know, and I, mm. I just, uh, I looked around me and, Suddenly, I saw all these like there were like these pulsating colours or pulsating all around me. Uh, they were like sort of like ambers and greens and reds and yellows, just slowly pulsating. And that I found that so relaxing. And um, I looked around, and I looked, and I was no longer lay on the the hospital trolley that I was lying in the hospital on. I was now lay on on like this huge slate rock. It was almost like a big medieval altar. <laughs> And uh, I thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. And uh, I, I figured at that point, this is it. I, I passed over, that yeah. I died. And uh, so I lay back onto this slate rock, and it felt really comfortable. You wouldn't think that lying on a, on a slate rock would be, but it was. And I was totally at peace with where I was. I, I, I got no sense of fear or, or um, you know, regret or, my goodness, I've died. It was just, I, I just went with it because it just felt so beautiful. And um, I, I suddenly felt the presence of, of somebody or something else nearby. And um, so I, I lifted my head again, and I looked, and just at my feet, I could see this, like a being of light, if you like. It was like this person stood there wearing just like a contemporary sort of black T-shirt with this beautiful white blonde hair and this um, calming expression and... Uh, and the, the, this person was like neither male or female, you know, androgynous, and um, just staring at me with this knowing smile as if it, I felt like I'd known this person for the whole of my life and beyond. And, uh, and I felt very protected. So as this person just smiled at me and gazed at me, I just laid my head back and relaxed. And then suddenly there were like three grids of white light coming in towards me. Mm. And as I looked into these three grids, I felt this sense of calm. It was like a beautiful light, a pure white light. And I felt like that light was was healing me. I could, and, uh, and I couldn't take my gaze away, even though it was so bright. I mean, you know, electric light or sunlight, that bright, you, you couldn't look into. But with this, you could. And, uh, you know, it was 
it was it was great <laughs> just the sensation of this light and um then i suddenly looked up again and realized there were two other uh, female forms either side of me and they got their hands stretched out of my body and they were like sort of they were healing me with their hands uh, almost like a form of like a reiki healing if you like and i could feel this sensation of you know love that was coming from them and it was just transmit transmitting through their their fingertips and into my body and i could it was almost like every molecule on my body was vibrating with this sensation of of love and um i looked at them and one of them the one was the like sort of dark brown hair sort of sort of um european sort of look about her and the other girl was was more sort of like either asian indian or american indian sort of uh, look about her and uh Again, I I felt this kind of like I knew them, you know, and uh, and, I, and I felt safe in their in their hands, and it's like, I felt like they were healing me and getting me prepared for something which I didn't know what, but um, it was a beautiful feeling. And at, at that point, I looked, I thought I'd better check my body and see mm-hmm. how it's all looking, and everything was intact. My arm was was fixed. There were no there was no not not even a bruise or a scratch, you know, and I could just see every part of my body which was covered in this beautiful blue sort of satin or a sheet, like a cloth, which is a very cool, calming um, sort of effect. And um, I just lay back and, you know, enjoyed the, the healing that I was getting. And I suddenly thought about my family. I thought, well, I knew that they were down in the emergency department in the hospital. I knew that they were really distressed when I'd been brought in as it was so I thought they're going to be really beside themselves now because uh, clearly I'm dead and um and I I I passed on so hmm. I kind of, I thought if I look over my left hand shoulder over the side of this this big rock right. I would probably see them so I looked over the over my left hand side and I, I I didn't actually see them at all I couldn't but what I did see was this most beautiful and remarkable sight and it was um it was like a huge waterfall like a huge arc of of, of stars that was just mm. cascading down and the, there was there's more like shooting stars falling down through the middle and when i looked down it looked like all these stars were cascading down into other galaxies you know and and, and into infinity into and as I looked further down, there were like beautiful colours, like again more like reds and oranges and greens, and uh, yeah, it was just a remarkable sight. Um, so this was like the sensation of all this was just like overwhelming. It was just like just so beautiful, and I turned over and I suddenly thought, right, all this f- sensation of love and mm-hmm. the healing that I was getting from everything at that point suddenly turned up the dial had turned up like tenfold and I realized that there was a huge tunnel of white light was drawing in towards me. Now, as I looked into this tunnel of white light, I could see that it was like surrounded by all these flames of oranges and yellows that were like slowly circulating around this tunnel of white light. And, um, I just, the energy that was coming off that was just, was remarkable. And, uh, Sounds like it. and I just knew, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was just uh, it, basically I understood at that point because a lot of what was coming to me was a lot of knowledge and telepathy was happening throughout, and I just thought, right, this is this is the source of all creation. This is God. This is where it all comes from, and uh, and it's not you know the the image that we all 
know and think mm-hmm. of as God, you know, like on the Sistine Chapel in Rome. And uh, it's not a male form. It's actually a white tunnel of light surrounded by these dramatic flames. And uh, it was just, wow. <laughs> I just thought, that's it. I've just discovered I'm looking at God now. When, when, and, was it, um, when was it that you decided to return? And how did you return back to your body? Well, basically, uh, it, it wasn't that I made a conscious decision myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was me who decided. Um, I think whoever, whoever it was, they made a decision to send me back pretty much at that point. I remember lying back and then I thought, and suddenly as I lay there, I was smiling and laughing and with that knowledge of what I'd seen, that I'd discovered God, that they sent me back. And I was suddenly crashing back down into my body and and I'd gone from this beautiful place right into the hospital and straight back into the pain oh, thresholds and the bright lights and overkill. Yeah. <laughs> now, during your so, near-death experience, did you look down from the top and see yourself on the operating table? Did you see the surgeons working on you? No, I didn't do. I, I know, obviously now, because I've looked into near-death experiences, that mm-hmm. some people do yeah. uh, actually have that experience, you know, but that wasn't the case with me. And, the, and the, only, the only type of deity that you actually saw that you could relate to, to being God, was this white light. Am I correct? Yeah. 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 So, so that's it. That's... To, to, to me, that that is that is um, that's where it all comes from. That's the source of all creation, as I say. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right, listen. So we've got to take another. Basically. We've got to take another break here. So, when we come back, we'll sure. continue the story and talk about the amazing things that you were able to accomplish after this train accident in 2006. Your accident, your recovery. And we'll talk about your musical instinct, your musical composing, your high-quality paintings, and much more. Exonation, our guest this hour is David Ditchfield. His website is www.shineonthestory.com. And uh, David and I will be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget you can join me Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m., on www.cbrtv.com. That's a Crystal Beach radio station and TV station right here in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, as I welcome each and every morning with all of you. My name's Rob McConnell. Don't go away. He said he's going. He said he's going back to find. Going back. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. 
If you'd like to uh, send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, And for the broadcast schedule and all the other great shows that we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. David Ditchfield is my special guest, and his website is shineonthestory.com. Now, David, prior to your near-death experience and the encounter that you had with those on the other side, as well as the recognition of the beam of light or the tunnel of light or the the white light as you saw it, were you interested in any part of spirituality, new age phenomenon, or any of the spiritual work that that is going on in the world today? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because uh, when I had the Nadith experience, mm-hmm. when I came back, I actually figured that I was the only person that it had happened to. You know, I thought because I'd never heard of near-death experiences. I'd, I'd had one slight brush with, with uh, spirituality, and, and this was um, interesting, actually, because it was a, a couple of months before I'd been travelling up to see my sister once more with the family, and uh, I was on the, on the train, and I sat opposite an elderly couple, mm-hmm. and uh, a lady there offered me a flyer saying, you know, look, we're off to see a brilliant medium tonight. Why don't you come along? And I was going, yes, okay, thanks. I don't know why she started chatting, but she did. And um, I, when I arrived at my sister's, um, I remember there was a lot of chaos there with sorting out the kids and stuff, the boys. Sure. So I said, I'm just going to go and take a drink. So I went off, and then I decided to go and see this medium. Um, and it was just curiosity. I just thought, let's go and see what it's about. And she picked me out amongst, you know, the whole crowd of people who were sat in the spiritualist church. And... Uh, and uh, she said, the man in the blue sweater over there, um, your, your life's about to change. And I was going, oh, right. I said, in what way? And she said, and she stopped and she turned and I said, they're not telling me, but they're just saying it's going to be big and be ready for it. And at that stage, I figured, oh, I'm going to win the lottery, you know. I'm sure, get that'd be the, cool. The relationship yeah. I'm after the big car and all that stuff, you know. And But obviously... I knew looking back that that's what that was a message. It was like a precursor as to that big change that was about to happen. So yeah. So how but has how that, has no. your belief in religious philosophy changed since your near death experience? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's just um, it's you know it, it's I I think about. Um, I think about my guides and the, the guides that were called on my guides that were there with me healing me that day. I, I feel that their presence is with me on a day-to-day basis and, and they work with me. And I also feel that we've all got those guides. We don't have to have a dramatic accident and go under a train and have a near-death experience to discover them. Because uh, I, I found that those guides have been with me throughout my whole life and I just hadn't realized it. So, so yeah, um, my whole belief and faith and and. and in God as well has changed, yeah. Now, I, I understand that you now compose classical music and you're also an accomplished artist. Um, prior mm-hmm. to this near-death experience, did you have any of these skills, any of these talents? No, not at all. I mean, I, I played guitar very basically, you know, right. sort of three-chord wonder songs, you know, mm-hmm. in punk sort of pop bands and stuff. But no, I was definitely not classically trained, you know, at a music and in terms of paintings you know that came about basically you know just 
because I, when I came around from the anaesthetic, I was just so scared that I was going to forget everything. And I just thought, I've got to, I've got to paint this. Mm-hmm. And I got this, I just, this idea I was going to do it, but it was going to be a huge painting. I thought it's got to be like a huge canvas, like a Michelangelo. Right. And uh, so, <laughs> because it's a big story. So the painting came first. I mean, and um, in, in fact, uh, when I came out of hospital, you know, I talked about doing it. And, and um, my mum's sister, my, my auntie, had just come over. Well, she came over from Canada, actually. So she, she popped over to, to visit the family and uh, she bought me a canvas. And uh, so that was it. So I got got started on this on this painting. And I knew that I was, when I, once I started it, uh-huh. that I was being helped. So, yeah. Now, now you said you played in pop bands, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the information you sent us it says that you played guitar and punk guitar bands. Yeah, that's right. This punk pop, you oh, know, okay. that's what I mean. That kind oh, of right. genre. Yeah, no, nothing serious. I mean, I was just uh, just trying, like everyone, just trying to trying to make a break. Now, now, prior to your your near death experience, prior to your near death experience, uh, what was your profession? Um, it was, I was, I'd left school without any qualifications basically. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, trying to pick up whatever work I could and, right. you know, most of it was manual labor, uh, work. So, so that was pretty much what I was doing. So, um, which I wasn't very good at actually. I sure. just found that I was, I was struggling uh, to get by with that. I look around at the other guys and I think, wow, they're really skilled, you know, they can sure. just, they can plaster a ceiling and a wall. And I, I can't even, I don't even know where to start, you know. I, so, I understand yeah. that you so, also have this, uh, severe dyslexia. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I can, that's why I left school and struggled to get work because right. I wasn't diagnosed with it when I was at school. And so I was just basically treated as, as, as being lazy and not trying hard enough. That wasn't the case. I yeah. wanted to succeed. Yeah, you know, I wanted to sort of fit in sure. into, into the society and stuff. But you know, it was a struggle. So, so my life before was was very much uh, me just kind of I I hit rock bottom basically eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, London's very is very hard to survive in financially, and uh, you know, so it, I, I was broke, um, and, um, and it was just life was very tough at that point yeah how, how do you explain your your ability now to you know your new composer skills you've uh, apparently um your debut as um a um nde inspired symphony with the uh, the divine mm-hmm. light you know was uh, apparently a um completely sold out and, and how many people were at the That's sellout right. event how large was um, the audience? I think it, it, it was about the 350, wow. I think, capacity was, yeah. yeah. So, which was great because, uh, you know, they, they weren't used to selling out. It sold out two weeks in advance, you know. The energy that was coming, that was the surrounding all that was fantastic. They asked me basically to talk to the local press about my piece. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And then the local press loved the story because it was based on my near-death experience itself right. and they knew about the accidents because it was all over the local news at the time so it went from there to the bbc coming along and, mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to film the rehearsal so that's why it sold out you know but the energy was fantastic you know i mean i it was, it was remarkable because i i as i say i've got no classical training right. whatsoever and i still can't read or write a single note of notation mm-hmm. 
Um, but I just sat down because I, I sat down with this old cheap synthesizer one day and started trying to put something together. I was trying to write a, a pop song, basically, and uh, that wasn't coming. And then suddenly these chords came through, and I thought, that sounds nice. And I started building on it. I thought, this sounds more like it should be played like for an, an orchestra. And... Um, I'd, I'd become friends with a, with a, a cello player um, in the in the local orchestra at that stage, uh, who'd seen my paintings and mm-hmm. and uh, she really liked my work. And I, we got chatting over coffee one day, and she said, "What are you up to?" And I told her about this piece, and she laughed. I said, "Oh, maybe we could perform it one day." And I thought, "Ah, you know that would be great." And the the amazing thing is, I got this complete sense of like subtle belief in myself and and ambition that. Not ambition, that's the wrong word, you know, but I just kind of believed that I could I could do it. Just just like I knew that I could do these paintings. I thought, right. why not write this for orchestra? Let's do this and follow it through. So I did. And my brother yeah. gave, go on, you were going to say something. Yeah, you know, you. when you say you wrote it for orchestra, if you couldn't compose, how could you write it? Yeah, well, that's what, yeah, I was about to say. Actually. Yeah, my, my, my brother said, look, I've got this, this package that you can use on your computer and when you play the, the notes on your keyboard mm-hmm. it will transform it into notation oh right on, right, on, right, on, right so that's how that happened that's how that came about and then i you know i got that all sort of printed off and mm-hmm. and, and then just got all the individual parts i mean there's more to composing a, a symphony than, than just that i mean that's what's amazing i mean i spoke to like the conductor and i said i'm sure you've written loads yourself and he said no so i, I wouldn't even attempt to write a, a, a symphony for orchestra because it's just so involved he said oh, i can't thanks, yeah. believe how you pulled this off you know you know I, I just i started hearing instruments that were mm-hmm. coming through that i didn't even know existed you know and <laughs> You know, like um, sort of um, core and glaze, and this is like a sort of reed instrument. And then I just started putting all those sounds together in my head, and then then found out, did some research into what what was what. And all right. then I suddenly got the symphony. All right, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. And Dexonation, if you'd like to get more information about our guest and his exciting story, visit his website www.shineonthestory. Com. That's www.shineonthestory.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to find out about all the great programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And if you'd like to join me, here locally, we're on the AM and FM radio band. And if you'd like to listen to us from wherever you are around the world on the Crystal Beach Radio TV network, visit us at www.cbrtv.net. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
And welcome back. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. Our website, xzbn.net, to find out when and where you can listen to all the great shows that we have for you 24-7, 365. My guest this hour is David Ditchfield. His website is www.shineonthestory.com. David, you're a composer, you're a painter, you're a very lucky person to, to still be with us on this side of the veil. Um, how has your experience on the other side changed you? Right. Um, well, the way I'd say it's changed me is, is that... Um, you know, my life is a lot more three-dimensional now. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a, a, a massive appreciation of of the world around me. Firstly, and but the the, the, the number one thing is is that um, I've learnt self-love because that's what I, that's what I was given when right. I was in my near-death experience, and I hadn't got that before, so I got no self-worth either. So I didn't believe in myself. Whereas now, you know, I've I've, I've got that sort of sense of, of self-belief and uh, to, to drive me forward yeah um would you would you say that in order it's it's in order to have others love you you yourself must love yourself first oh totally yeah Yeah. and 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 also to to sort of find that self-belief to be able to you know push yourself forward in life and you've got to have that self-love and and it's and i think i feel that we've all got we've all Mm -hmm. got really wonderful souls that are buried underneath years of uh, you know time whatever we've been through in our lives in mind you know it was oppression and guilt and and feeling like a failure yeah and which was totally wrong you know and uh, so yeah, yeah we, we, we've all got it within us and we've all got our guides that we can call upon to help us find that you know to find that voice i understand that um the foreword to your book shine on was written by somebody that we've had on our show several times dr raymond moody how did uh, raymond get a hold of your book right well um straight after I'd, I'd done my first painting i was i remember going onto the internet trying to find out more about what had happened to me and obviously mm-hmm. i started realizing about near-death experiences and i found his name so i sent an email just with the, with the painting and he actually got back to me a couple of days later and spoke to me and said how powerful it was and then that was that and i thought nothing of it and then as time went on i realized just how big he was and in, in, in fact he coined the phrase near-death experience as you probably know yeah um so when I when I wrote my book, um, I thought, well, I would, I'd love to get in touch with him again, see if he would like to read it. Because uh, and so I so I, I just randomly sent an email again, and I didn't hear back this time for months. And then his manager got in touch with me and said, "Look, you know, I've just seen your website. I've just seen the trailer on your website for your, and your story. It's amazing." Mm-hmm. She said, "Raymond's going to love this. Leave it with me." So she passed it on to him, and he read the book. And then she got back and said, "Yeah, Raymond loves it." And uh, he said that he's, he would write an endorsement. I'm like, oh, that'd be brilliant, you know. And then later that day, she got back again saying, no, look, he's he's actually said he, he'll write the foreword. So that was just pretty amazing. So that was before it had even been published that, that he'd come back. And so, yeah, he's an, he's an amazing person mm-hmm. and a really lovely soul as well. So I owe an awful lot to him. So, yeah, that was brilliant. Tell, tell me, David, are you afraid of death? No, not at all. No, I can say that it doesn't frighten me at all because I've seen what awaits us all, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's really it's a really beautiful thing. I'm, and, and also, 
it's like I, I, it, I realize that there's, there's no way that the soul just kind of just switches off like a light switch. Yeah, I think our, our bodies do, you know, once, once we die, but mm-hmm. we definitely go on. We definitely go on and our, and our souls continue to, to the next part of, what of the you, journey. What, so. do you think, what do you think our purpose in this lifetime is? Well, it's, it's, I would say to really try and embrace it as much as you can because, uh, as I say, the one thing I realized is, is um, you know, we're, we're, we're living in uh, – this is heaven on earth, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're, we're surrounded by so much beauty and color and, and amazement, and we just we, – we, you know, we don't realize it. So I would say for everyone, try and enjoy this this part of the journey because it's a really special part, you know. Do you think that we – there is life after death? Yeah, most certainly. There's definitely life after death. Because I mean, because I because I experienced it, and I know that others have as well, and they have exactly the same feeling as me. You know, I've spoken to one or two other people who've actually interviewed me who've had near death experiences. No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about near death experiences here. I'm talking about life after death. Oh, what do you mean? Whether you know when 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 it's final when it's your final curtain on this realm on on this realm on this plane is there a life that continues somewhere else or even as many believe in reincarnation? Yeah, I I do I do believe in reincarnation, but I but I also believe that that some souls are meant to um to stay with us. You know, it's um you know I I lost my mother uh, last summer and I'm sorry and it's interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, it was that was really hard because yeah, sure, obviously be. there was a big part of me knew mm-hmm. where she was going, and and I knew that she was going on to a really beautiful place as she passed. But obviously, I had to deal with the loss of my mother, who brought me up and, yeah. and brought me into the world. But I feel that her presence is is with me a lot, especially at the moment where when it's a very intense and important time for me right. to promote my my book and stuff. And 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 I'm very sure that she's around me. So I do believe that some some of our loved ones do continue to sort of be there on the other realm to watch over us. Not all of them, just some of them. Yeah. When you go out and you do your speaking engagements and you do your, the promotion of your books and you, and you get to meet people one-on-one, what are some of the questions that they ask you? Um, well... Uh, well, the the one you've just asked me there, actually, you know, if, if I fear death, because an awful lot of people do fear mm-hmm. death, and and uh, and they're asking for me to give, you know, some form of um, affirmation, if you like, that yeah. that that every that we do go on to the to the next realm. Um, but also, people are really interested to to know what transition uh, I, I've gone through, and and how do how do I sort of communicate with my guides which i talk about a lot you know that I, you know i just say that i i i pray to them and and i i just ask directly for what i i want you know even if it's the smallest thing mm-hmm. if i'm concerned about something really small i will ask them and they will give me that help so so have you become uh, a medium as well after your accident where you can actually communicate with the other side no i'm not actually a medium i wouldn't say okay. that i just say that all of us can connect with our guides you know mm-hmm. we shouldn't be we, didn't, we shouldn't feel that we've got to go to, to, to church to pray. We can just, you know, we can just simply just turn around and ask, you know, humbly. But we right. can turn around and say, look, please, can you can you help me? I need I need your help right now. Um, rather than, you know, a lot of faiths, we we go through a lot of 
feeling like we're we're, we're not worthy or you know kind of like there's a mm-hmm. sense of of um uh coming from a point of view that we're we're, we're sinners almost forgive right. us for our sins but i don't think we should be asking for forgiveness for our what sins did... we should be asking for help you know all right um how did your wife and children take your accident and your progression into being a music uh, a composer, musician, and artist? Uh, right. Well, I'm I'm not actually married, oh, but um, okay. but my my family all around me, mm-hmm. um, they they it's, they 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 I don't know. It's almost like they they knew right from the off that something had changed in my life, right. and uh, so they they completely went with it. They just knew that everything that happened was 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 all part of my journey. And you know, my mother, I remember, and my father when they came into hospital, it took me a week to tell them about what had happened. You know, because I didn't. Want them, I wanted them to believe it, you know. And when I started telling them about the near-death experience, I remember my my mother turning around saying, well, yes, we know. And I said, how do you know? And it was like a mother's instinct, you know. Yeah. She said, well, every time we come in, you you can hardly move. You, you've got tubes coming out of you and everything, but you're glowing. You've got this glow about you, and, you, and you're, it's like you're helping everybody around you and giving strength to them. So... So yeah, so so from that point onwards, you know, every, all my family around me knew that something had, had shifted big time, and uh, they knew that before my life was awful, and they were all concerned about me. You know, I was I was drinking heavily, and you know, you know, just basically not. I was just trying to fix things in all the wrong way, whereas now I don't. You know, <laughs> now I I I fix things in 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 by going within into my my higher state of conscious if you like so um yes but they know that and they yeah so they believe in it you know right. it's like the books coming out and they you know i'm sure I'm dyslexic but i've still written a book but you know they're they're excited about it and they they believe that it they believe that would happen as well because, david i want you know, david our time is up i want to thank you so much for joining us tonight here on the exxon and exonation if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour david dishfield visit his website at www.shineonthestory dot com that's www.shineonthestory.com i'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the x-zone with yours truly rob mcconnell from our broadcast center and studios in crystal beach ontario canada if you'd like to find out more about the x-zone broadcast network visit us at www.xzbn.net and for the x-zone tv channel www.simultv.com or visit us at www.exonetvchannel.com For more information on our guest this hour David Ditchfield visit www.shineonthestory.com That's www.shineonthestory.com I'll be back on the other side of the news Whatever you do, do not go away <laughs> 